0: Destiny U, a place where we restore hope, ignite passions, make dreams a reality, and help you to unlock your future. Welcome to Destiny U with your host, Rich Darnell. Hello, world. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of Destiny U. Yes, I'm your host, Rich Darnell, your destiny coach to help you on your journey to greatness. Did you know that you were created to do great things? That whatever you're doing right now, right at this moment, is actually a great and powerful thing when it is empowered with truth. And that's what we want to do here at Destiny You, We want to empower you with the truth in Christ they will see your life become victorious and go from victory to victory, glory to glory, and just see the impact of the goodness of God cover the earth. Just like the scripture says, for the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth like the waters of the seas. But before we get to today's uh, show, which we're going to be talking about uh, some prophetic insights and the times and seasons I believe we're in with a new apostolic age, meaning an age of An awakening that God is doing through the earth that's going to cause the body of Christ to come together in a new way, having to let go of some old to embrace the new, right? Everybody's been hearing that for years. But uh, think of this, you know, for 430 years after Isaiah prophesied about Jesus being crucified in Isaiah 53, it w- there was a silence, you know, after and, and there was... Uh, while waiting for this prophetic word to be fulfilled. So a lot of times when we be saying prophetically, God is, He is. But the manifestation can be for a generation or two. But that's why we have to stay in faith and contend for the faith. And not be and realize it's greater than you. Whatever you're contending with today might, you know, Abraham didn't see the fullness of the promise in his life. But it did manifest through Jacob. As the seed began to grow and the nation of Israel came forth to glorify God's plan. So maybe you got great destiny, great words, but maybe it's not your lot to see the fullness of it, but to begin it. See, we all have a, God has a plan. We all have a purpose in it and we need to be thankful for just being able to walk with him and see what he's doing in our lives now, knowing and understanding whatever we're doing today is like a seed that will grow into a tree later on. But like I said, I want to first just uh, give a shout out to Rhoda Beard and Blaine Irving. You know, they're the people over at Worship Center Radio. There's an awesome team here. They're, they're doing so much for the Lord to send the message of the kingdom of God throughout the earth. And you can access what they're doing through worshipcenterradio.net. They have so many speakers, so many people that are sharing insight and the wisdom of God that will empower your life. Remember, you can also hear me every Monday and Thursday from 4 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time at worshipcenterradio.net slash destinyu. You can also access more resources Uh, that I have articles and other teachings through richdarnell.co. So let's get into talking about dying to religion. Let's dethrone religion today. And I want to start out by sharing a revelation the Lord began to give me back in 2006, 10 years ago. You know, it was through a series of events You know, around the third week of June 2006, the Lord began to speak to me about it's time to die. You know, I mean, that you know, everybody's wanting to live, live life. But, you know, the gospel says to live, you must die. You know, and that sounds an oxymoron, but that means to die. There are selfish, carnal ways to live in the serving way that Christ does to live in the resurrection power of Jesus. See, and what happened when I heard this word, a time to die, I saw myself in the spirit, and I was preaching in a place that I knew that knew that I was a prophet. I asked the people if they wanted a word from the Lord, and everybody said yes. I then said this word, it is time to die. This actually happened, or this vision, open vision happened while I was walking to work. Five minutes later in the natural realm when I walked up to a Christian friend of mine at work and she said she had a 40-day devotional. she just received it from a born-again Iranian named David Nassar. The title of the book was called A Call to Die. It was called A Call to Die. So I knew the Lord was speaking, but I also knew that, it, that uh, you know, I had to be the first partaker of this fruit, so to speak, and I was expecting it to be. This is a 40-day devotional, and I came under conviction to start the devotional. And so that's what I began to do. It was when I began to go through this process that the God began to really open my eyes to call my life in the reality of the seriousness of it. See, all calls of God are serious. Whether you're a minister in the pulpit or whether you're... The the, the the custodian taking care of things behind the scenes. There's everything that's holy, whether you're a teacher, an artist, a musician, a doctor, a lawyer, uh, even somebody that might work with the sanitation department of city. See, if that's a call from God, it's serious and it's holy and it's separated onto him. And it need not be taken lightly. But the Lord was slowly opening my eyes to what he wanted me to do in this next season of my life and you know it was right after this that I was actually the school of the prophets taught by Cindy Jacobs you know and they would do a little teaching and a sharing of what prophecy was and the spirit of prophecy and the heart of the prophetic and after that they would do what they call an activation they would uh, then let us practice on each other right and I began to prophesy over some people and later on Cindy picked out two of the people I had already ministered to not only did she give the same thing that I did, but she went so much deeper and so such much, so much more accurate. I began to see what God wanted out of me, and I knew that I had to surrender more of myself. This is what led me to call to die, a time to die. See, I knew it when there's more in me than even what I prophesied over those people, but I was scared. See, the Bible says to prophesy according to your faith, and all can prophesy, all can speak life, all can speak about what God is a destiny words over anybody. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. But so many times we don't move out in it because we're afraid. And that's what I began to see in that. Yeah, and then so this remember this is the beginning of June. So on June twenty fifth, two thousand six, my pastor Petey Newsom over at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, there in Temple, Texas. Awesome people, her and uh, David newsom they are they my—they're my, my spiritual parents. They're just people that are amazing. If you're in the temple area, stop by, look them up, see them—you won't regret it. So she called me about 7:30 a.m. back in June 2006, right? She said the Lord had told her that I had a word for that morning. I knew that I would minister on a time to die. But I thought it would come out of Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. You know, this was something I didn't prepare for, something I wasn't even thinking about ministering. But God began to give me that day. See, in season, out of season. We must be ready to do what God's called us to do. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lived me. in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And out of those two scriptures I was meditating on, I came up with th- these revelations of what the Holy Spirit gave to me. The first, Christ is not a person. It's the anointing or commission of God on a person. See, Christ is not a name. It's a title It's a function. It's an anointing. It means the Messiah, the anointed one, the one called by God. See, Jesus is anointed to bring salvation to the earth. You're anointed to do whatever God's called you to do. There's an anointing there. might be dormant, but it's there. That's the supernatural power to do what God's created you to be, to access the things beyond yourself. And so that was the first thing I began to realize, that it, We're not talking about a person named Christ. We're talking about what? The body of Christ. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. See, when God began to speak to me, would I die for the body and not just for the anointing or call on my life? See, I've always heard that if you wanted the anointing, you had to pay the price to give it all to Jesus so he would anoint you. This is, this is true to, to really, you know, it's a free gift and you can move in the anointing and measure, but to really move in the fullness of your destiny, you got to die to self. But I know that God was speaking to me that it's not so much he wanted me to die so I could be anointed. But was I willing to die for the body of Christ? Was I willing to let go of my opinions, my thoughts, my beliefs? It would cause division and contradiction, even some of the truth and revelation that I had that the body of Christ wasn't ready for, was I willing to let that go, to trust God for to see the body come into the anointing, to see the, the body be anointed, see the oil, the Holy Spirit pour itself upon the body of Christ, not just myself. See, I always heard if you, you know, Wanted the anointing and paid the price, he would anoint you. And that in that price, he would use me greatly and I go all over the world. I got all these prophecies, right? But you know, let me just get back on point. Before I get, you know, a little bit sidetracked and some other stuff here. I don't want to chase rabbits, right? Let me get when I go to Church. The scripture when I got to church that day, the the scripture the Lord gave me was Isaiah six one through seven. Let's look at that real quick, can we? Isaiah six one through seven. You know, Isaiah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, and spoke so much of what we see and and see. And he went through so much that you can actually see in the prophetic life that I'm not going to really get into right now. But this is what Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. And his robe was filled, and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings, with two, he covered his face, two, he covered his feet. Two he flew, and one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and live among people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. The, then one of the seraphim flew to me, took flew flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal he had taken from the altar with thongs. He touched my mouth with and said, now that this has touched your lips your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. So when we think about that scripture what are we thinking about? We're seeing Isaiah had an encounter, right? But when did that encounter happen? It was in the year King Uzziah died. See, we're seeing leaders go home to be with the Lord. We're going to see other major leaders go home. People that have moved in a measure of the glory of God, but yet for some reason they would become either idols or they would become stepping stones or stumbling blocks, I mean, not stepping stones, but stumbling blocks to others of the gospel. We see this so many times when the move of God begins to move, so many begin to persecute and curse what God is doing. They've been moving with the Lord for years because they think that they're in the place of revelation. And actually, its uh, if you really think about it, the revelation that's happening, that they're cursing was the very thing they were prophesying. See, Personally, thing, that's what King Uzziah did. When you study him, he, not, he brought revival land, but not, ju- not just revival. Cities were transformed, enemies defeated, prosperity came to land. He did a good work for God. But he, what? Got out of order, you know? And what does King Uzziah represent? Represents a throne or dominion of man that got out of God's order. He had a a prophetic destiny. He was walking with God, but he got to pride, began to want to do something more than what he was called to do and take on a bigger role than he was called to do. He was already king. He was already moving in Reformation, but he wanted to be the priest too. You know? And what can we glean out of the name of Ziah that's going to give us some nuggets here? This is what I want to see. Isaiah means Jehovah is my strength. See, Jehovah or Yahweh, you know, is really what is the name God reveals himself to Moses. Is also the name of God reveals himself as the covenant-keeping God to, to him, right? So when we look in the scriptures, see, is the name used by Abraham and others, have they called on the name of Yahweh or Jehovah without revelation, meaning that the names used, Throughout the Bible, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. But this was the first time with Moses when his name was revealed. See, Abraham didn't know God as Yahweh. He knew God as, you know, Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, but not uh, really El Shaddai, you know. Excuse me. It, so what did this represent? It represented a man who walked with covenant, that his strength his relationship with God was the covenant of God. But somehow that covenant with God began to work into pride. Because he stood out and began to move in the priesthood that he was not anointed for. And he was struck with leprosy. It means he was moving in the, by the power of the flesh now instead of by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what leprosy represents. Sin of the flesh you know and because he was the king the throne in the land not only did it affect him it affected everybody in the nation how can i say that because you know we do know the anointing flows downhill that leadership can affect the way the people follow whatever the leader's going to be like i guarantee you his disciples are going to be like you know and we're supposed to be make people disciples of christ not disciples of our denominations amen See, so we see Isaiah's ministry was one of being truth, but in the beginning it had no love. He was using the word of God as critical and judgmental. He was like chopping heads is what I would call it. He didn't have the grace. He said, woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you. He's always pointing out everybody else's problem, telling them what they need to repent from and how, how much error they were in. How many people do we have that now? Oh, woe unto you. You're in sin. This president, this, this, that. You see, it's so much all over the world. This person here, Joe Osteen, that. Bill Johnson, that. David Jeremiah, this. This person, that. I mean, the body of Christ is coming against each other in the wrong way. You know, we do, there's nothing wrong with pointing out and bringing things to light, but there has to be the light of redemption in the heart of the Father, the the love of grace and truth. Jesus came in grace and truth. See, when you have grace with no truth, you call you get people to run around and think they can sin, live in homosexuality, fornication. They can live a lifestyle of sin, and that's acceptable to God. It's not. You can't live. There's a difference between somebody being groomed and growing up And coming out of sin versus somebody just using grace as an excuse to do their own way. Then, if you don't have any grace, you just got truth, and you get religious self-righteousness, always pointing out what you got to do, your works, your works, this, that, and the other, this is wrong. Sin, you know, it's like so many Pentecostal churches out there, you know, I hate to say it like that, always pointing out, what's wrong and where the power of sin is and they don't talk about the power of God's righteousness they highlight sin more than the glory of God I like this Uh, Jesse DePlante said this one time he was in a church and in that church he asked what do you believe in and they said we don't believe in dancing smoking cursing or drinking he said I didn't ask you what you don't believe in I asked what do you believe in you know And that's what we need to get here. And that's what the Lord showed me, you know, that uh, Isaiah represented actually most denominations. They received the word of the Lord for the hour. They moved with power. But when they got to the place of ruling through that revelation, they began to park and idolize the revelation. And people began to begin prideful in their revelation for that moment and hour became the object of their their, their, their their communion with God, not realizing that God is not a lake or, a, uh, or they made a monument out of a moment, right? Basically, that's what it is. They made a monument out of a moment. So how did this begin to happen, you know? The Lord began to add this revelation for he is like a river, not a pond or lake, right? They began prideful when the spirit of God began to move in the new thing. The leader did not ship because they were now worshiping the revelation that gave them the authority. They are trying to act like as a high priest over God's people. However, Jesus is our high priest. The leader was struck with leprosy representing the works of flesh. This affected the prophetic voice for the hour. Until the throne was taken away, the prophetic voice could not see clearly. See, Uzziah represented a move of God that has now become dominions of man that are affecting the pure flow of the prophetic gifts of the church. I'm not against denominations. I was part of one for a season. However, there's repre- I am not representing the denominations that have not been in proper alignment. However, you know, what I'm talking about is I, I want to talk about those that are not out in proper alignment. I don't know what they did right, but we can't condone what they're not doing, what they're doing wrong. See, a lot of times we think we're God's perfect will just because we have big churches, salvation, deliverance all the signs and wonders occurring. This is not necessarily true. The Corinthian church was a church that could represent Uzziah, fleshy, carnal, full of sin and sexual immorality, but yet the Holy Spirit and his gifts were in operation in the church. God's grace will always amaze us. You know you know, the word denomination literally means to take the name out of? There's nothing wrong with Being different, there were 12 tribes of Israel, but they were not denominations. They were family members connected for one cause. To see a national representation, it's like the representation of the body of Christ. That's what the 12 tribes represent. See, God somehow moves in our box. You know, we think because God shows up in our box, he condones our box. That's not always true. That's just grace. That's just his love. That's just his mercy reaching down because he wants to hang out with us. He will meet with us in the measure we allow him. See, religion says he won't come, but he always shows up, and we think we're we're not being religious, you know? And, 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 and God shows up, but then he wants to do something, but then we get stuck in our protocols and and, and shut out the Holy Spirit and begin to quench him. You know, how can I say that? Because Jesus said it. You know, it says traditions of men will quench the word of God. We have traditions that can stop the Holy Spirit from moving. That's why we don't see so much power. And then it's a shame when we really think about it that when God does show up, we've been void of his power for so long, we begin to blame the devil and say it's the devil. You know? You know, think of what Jesus said. You know, people come up to him saying, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils. We did this. We did this in your name. And he says, depart me from your workers iniquity. I never knew you. See, these these people are still doing things. That was God doing it. It wasn't the devil doing it. It was God working through ungodly people because they had faith in his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his blood. So if that's what you have faith and you have an understanding for, God will move that way. But what if the worker of iniquity is our traditions and our things that are blocking and hindering people and we're overseeing people and we're over people? You know, I believe God has never called any man to be over another man. Yes, there's leadership. Yes, there's a hierarchy for those that don't believe in that. There are like generals, there's fathers, there's mothers. Let's just look at a family real quick. You know, that's the perfect thing. Mother and father, they're leaders of the children. That's the way it's supposed to work. You know? So God is wanting to tear down the Ziahs the thrones of man, so that the prophetic that we can begin to see again. And this is going to be part one of that message. Next, on Thursday, we'll go into part two and finish this thing out. So I want you to be encouraged If you're hearing this today, you're getting ready to encounter God in a new way. God is getting ready to pull down some thrones of man, and your eyes are getting ready to see something you've never beheld before, and you're getting ready to get awakened to something within you that has been dormant. I'm going to begin to pray for that right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, I come to you and I thank you for the blood of Jesus that gives us the right to come before the throne of grace to receive mercy in time of need. Father, forgive us as a people for exalting revelation, for exalting doctrine, exalting traditions of man above Jesus himself. And begin to worship an image of Christ instead of the living Christ. Begin to worship the image of we created you to be instead of the image of who you really are. And I pray right now, Father God, that as we confess this as sin, as we have sinned and our forefathers sinned against you by forming images that are not the reality of who you are, through your word into the people's minds, it's allowed the people not to see you for who you really are. And I pray right now, Father God, that the blood of Jesus will break that curse. You said, Father God, that you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thank you that you're doing that right now that you're cleansing us from all unrighteousness in Jesus name. I thank you. You're opening up the eyes of your people right now to behold you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in a whole new way as you're moving in a new era that is yet to be seen. The prophets have said it. The apostles are wanting to build it. The people are wanting to move in it. There's a holy discontent and a holy hunger, and you stirred your people up. Let the movement begin. Let the people arise. Let the wind blow, and let your glory come. Amen. Well, like I said, next week, I'll finish this, uh, not next week, on Thursday, I will finish this message. You can uh, listen to it at worship radio, worshipcenterradio.net slash Destiny U or you can go to richdarnell.co you know you can also if you'd like to partner with us you can uh, through richdarnell.co there's donate on the, the worship center radio there's the sponsor button please partner please ask the Lord if he would have you to help we realize God's assigned those he's assigned and we're just making it known that we can need your help to reach the nations to help change the world for the glory of Jesus. So until the next time that we meet again, may you be encouraged. May you be blessed. May you know that there's a destiny in you. Amen. You have been listening to Destiny U with Rich Darnell, a place where we make dreams become a reality. For more resources by Rich, please go to www.richdarnell.co. Be blessed. Be empowered. Be you. Destiny U.